Welcome back to the Access to Education podcast, where we talk about everything having to do with learning challenges and learning disabilities. Today on the show, we are going to focus on the topic of post-secondary education. We are lucky to have Rosanna today from Humber College here in Toronto. She is the program coordinator and a faculty member at Humber College. Rosanna works with students in their Community Integration Through Cooperative Education, CICE program. It is a certificate program geared towards adults with intellectual disabilities. The program provides them opportunities to experience college life, develop enhanced independence, and connect with like-minded peers. Rosanna, welcome to the show. So nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, This I'm hoping for families that are out there will be something that perks their ears that says there's a program out there. Absolutely. I don't imagine there are many of these programs out there. No, probably not. And you know what? We're pretty proud of our CICE program. So when it was initially created, it was funny. I was just chatting with my students today. and We're talking about history. Um, We were talking about the history of the CICE program. And we've been around for over 30 years at Humber. And just so that you know, um, that we are the first CICE program in all of Ontario. Because if you take a look at the other colleges, we have about 12 other colleges that are offering a CICE program. But we're the very first that um, has uh, started the program in all of Ontario. And it started because a family had, uh, I think, three children with an intellectual disability. And they were wondering, what can they do afterwards? What's what's there after high school? Like a lot of them stay until they're 21. And then then what, what happens afterwards? So they were able to match up with Humber and they created this program. So our program actually is for students with intellectual disabilities um, to give them a college experience because we know that when students, um, you know, especially around their graduating year, it's always like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Where are you going? Where are you going? So what a great opportunity now for students with an intellectual disability to say, you know what, I'm going to college too, Uh, just like my brother or just like my sister or my cousin, that they have this opportunity to go to to go to a post-secondary. And that's what Humber created. So do most of these kids come, so we're talking about a program that is generally here in Toronto, right? Yes. But do these kids come from outside of the city or do they tend to be sort of local to the city? Right. So most of our students are local and we get about, I would say 95% of our students travel to to Humber. Um, But we do have some students who end up living on residence as well. Uh, well, the purpose of community colleges was to be local, is supposed to be for the community. Uh, so it's not surprising in that way. Um, but we do get students who have, you know, it's too far to travel and they feel that, you know what, they would like to get the residence experience as well. Um, so we absolutely have residence um, for opportunities for students as well. What a great way to help them build their independence for those who are ready, right? For those who are really oh, ready to have that like really deep but also what a great opportunity for those students, like you said, you know, they end post-secondary or they end secondary school, mm-hmm. kind of most of these kids when they're about 20, 21, right? They've kind of stayed through the system until the yeah. end of their ability to stay there and they need a plan yes. for after. So it's such a great thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then that's one of the things I think I love about the program so much is seeing that independence um, because there is that difference in terms of, from secondary school to high school because they are considered adults, just like any other college students. They are considered adults, 
So there's a lot of um, learning that happens for them as they gain their independence. There's learning for the families as well, because they're learning that, oh, my child is now an adult. Um, there's things that I maybe I can be involved in, but it's going to be different because it's going to be their choices. They're the adult. They're the ones making the decisions on certain things. So what about supports for these guys? Mm -hmm. So some of them will have come from high school programs that might've provided them with an EA or an SNA or a personal support worker who has worked with them potentially, mm -hmm. right? For many right. years through high school and they've built a relationship with that person. Are there similar things set up with this CIC program to continue that success that they've had? Absolutely, absolutely. So our program, we actually have what we call integration facilitators. And these are our staff that work one-on-one -on -one with our students. Now, there is a level of independence that is needed um, at the college. Uh, we're able to provide about academically about five hours of support a week um, for the students to work with them with homework, with assignments. Um, our students get an opportunity to participate in regular college programs. They are adapted and modified, which are done by our facilitators, but they get the support from the facilitators in terms of attending the class, maybe with some note-taking, getting integrated with group work that might be happening during the class time. Um, and then outside of the class, they might meet with the students um, or the facilitator to work on homework and assignments, anything that might be happening then as well. But then there's also that time that they get to just be without a staff because that's kind of part of the learning and the independence part. And they get to make connections with other CIC students. Uh, some students like to just get right into the college and they make friends with other people in the college. So there's that opportunity as well. So we're not with them the entire time because we really want to encourage that independence, but we are there if they need us. Um, we're definitely there for the academics. Our students know where to find us so they can always pop by if they need some extra help with anything. So. Yeah, so definitely there's the supports there. What a medium for them too, right? And, and such an experience. So they are in the actual lecture halls of whatever the course is that they study, that they decide to go down. They're in there yes. and then they're coming to you for the supports when they need it for that five hours in the week. Absolutely, absolutely. So our, our program itself, we we are like any, I always say we're like any other program at the college. Um, you've been accepted into the CICE program, so you have classes with other CICE students. Those are the classes taught by our CIC faculty. So myself and I have another faculty who, who I work with as well. And we teach our, we call them the core CICE classes. So our first year is a lot about transitioning into the college and what it's like to be independent and to be a college student. So we'll talk about note taking. We talk about group work. Um, we talk about, we have a healthy sexuality class. Class. goal setting but the idea of goal setting because I know a lot of students have done goal setting it's now what do you want to do not what does your teacher say what does your family say but what do you want to learn about so we'll focus a bit on that in our second year it's more about transitioning out of the college and into the community what does it mean to be an independent student we'll talk about advocacy we talk about leadership um, and you know what are some of the resources out there that I might be interested in so those are the core CICE classes that our students take and they get to take that with each other. And absolutely, just like any other program, I have to schedule classes. It could be different classes, different classrooms. We don't have a designated classroom. That, that's our CIC class. We have different classes all throughout the college so they get to travel around there. 
Then we also have what we call our elective classes, where this is where the students uh, get to take, we call them regular college classes um, with the, the college community. It's supported and it's modified and adapted for them, but it's whatever Humber has to offer. So we have students participating in early childhood education, paramedics, nursing, business, culinary, landscaping. Humber's the only program that has funeral services, so we actually have had a student take a funeral service class. We also have a Lakeshore campus. We're, um, we're based at the North Campus. We also have a Lakeshore campus, so some of our students may take classes down there. Police Foundation, Golf Management, so it's really whatever the student is interested in, we will talk to the faculty there and um, you know, together we will you know, work together to make the students successful. They take one class per semester, again, just to experience what it's like to be um, a college student. So the cooperative part, it sounds mm -hmm. like to me, is not so much going out into the workforce and doing a co-op placement, but it really is the cooperation between you as the CICE facilitators, as it were, mm -hmm. with the regular college and kind of making sure that your CICE kids can come out with the same experiences and the same successes that the average student would get. Absolutely. We do have, um, we call it at, um, in university, uh, sorry, at college, we call it uh, field placement. A co-op um, in a post-secondary usually means a paid position. So if it's um, considered part of the course, we call it a field placement. We actually have that as well because we know that a lot of our students want to have some sort of skills and employability skills um, afterwards. So we do that as well in, in our program. In the first uh, year, they start in what we call our second semester. So the first semester is usually that whole transition into college. There's a whole kind of big um, learning curve there. The second semester, they're ready for um, field placement. But we start off with placements within the college. We're really fortunate because Humber's so big. There's so many different opportunities all throughout the college. So we have a daycare, so we'll have students there. We actually have a resource kind of library for the, the daycare and our students can participate there. We have a library, we have a radio station, mail room. We have the ever famous Starbucks that my students really like during break time and our students will go there. Uh, residents, sometimes they'll go over there and help out in the, uh, the kitchen there. So. We really try to access all the different areas within Humber as well. It's a good starting place for them because they already are familiar with the campus itself. In their second year is when we then move on to placement outside. Uh, we'll look outside into their community. Sometimes it's close to their community. Sometimes it's close to the Humber community. Um, that's because all of our placements are continued to be supported by our facilitators. I also think of them at that point almost like a job coach uh, as they're working with the students out in the community, learning whatever skill, whatever uh, responsibility it might be. And again, we kind of tackle anywhere that the student's interested in. Traditionally, some of the, the more retail places, winners, and we get some of the restaurants as well. Uh, I think we've had students at McDonald's, we had them at Starbucks, Tim Hortons, um, but then we've also tried some more unusual places as well. We had one student a few years ago working at the stables, working with horses. Um, it was up north and that's where he was located, so we were able to find a placement there. The Science Center in the city of Brampton helping there. I know there was a recycling place that we ha had students in the Mississauga area, so over there as well. Uh, we've had students at the World Bank helping out in the, uh, the office area. So really, it's we try to find out what 
exactly the student's interested in, what are some of the skills they're trying to, to learn, and then from there we go out to the community and try to match that up. It seems limitless, the options. It, you know what it is? We, there's nothing I think we've ever said no to, like we will always try. We do want to be aware of what are the students' needs and what are their, their strengths. Um, we also look at what are the needs and the strengths of whether it's the elective class or their, the community field placement as well. And then how can we as a staff kind of help bridge between the two? Okay, so I'm a parent. I'm listening to this. I'm thinking, wow, this sounds amazing. But then... How would a family know if the program is a good fit for their child? Because yeah, I can imagine it's not necessarily the right place for everyone, but how, like they're listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, this is so much, and this is going to be great, <laughs> we're going to do this, but like, hold on a minute, because at the same time, we need to consider like, who is this program for? So Absolutely. how would families know, or even how would high schools, if there are, say, guidance counselors listening mm -hmm. to this episode, mm -hmm looking and thinking about this and the students that they have in their buildings. How do they know whether or not this type of a program will be a good fit? So I think one of the things is to know what our criteria is. So it's 19 years or older on the first day of class, which is usually the day after Labor Day. And this is because our students usually can stay until they're 21. So that age doesn't seem to be a big deal um, and have an intellectual disability. We try to advertise as much as we can. So we are in constant contact with a variety of different high schools and their guidance counselors. We always have a yearly information night. And this year we're, we're also offering one. It's going to be October the 22nd. And despite the fact that we're unable to have everyone on campus, we're going to do it virtually, which is great. Um, so that way people can, you know, be at the comfort of their own home and check in on us and to listen to a little bit more about the program. Humber is also great because they offer college-wide open houses as well. And we always participate in the fall and the spring one as well. I would always recommend because I think just like with any, any child that you have who's looking at post-secondary, you never wait till the last minute. You never wait until grade 12. It's always a good idea to start looking ahead to see what's available. So I would suggest, you know, grade 10, grade 11, start looking at what's available for, for your child to see if it's a right fit drop by at those open houses. It's not, you know, I don't think it's too early to come to an open house when your child's only in grade 10 or grade 11. Give them a chance to ask questions. Give them a chance to see if this is what they want. Because I always tell families, like, it's going to be their, that child coming to the college. It's not going to be the families. It's going to be that child. They need to make sure that they feel like this is a good fit for them. So have them come to open houses, have them come to our information night, have them ask questions so that they know what um, the experience is going to be like and seeing if it's something for them. Well, and it sounds too, because there are so many open houses and if you start early, you can, it sounds to me like you could come back to the open house more than once. Like you don't just have to go to one, you can Absol go to several. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know in the past we've had people who said, you know, I went to your open house when my child was in grade 10 and now they're in grade 12 and ready. So, you know, this is a good time and let's find out what's, you know, if it's still a good fit for them. So grade like nine, 10, 11, it's really good chance just to find, that's kind of your research time. Let's just find out what's going on. And then in grade 12, go back to those open houses again and see if it's a right fit for your, for your child.
And when I think about transitions between elementary and high school, because that is what I am most familiar with in terms mm-hmm. of my job and, and the places that I've kind of had experiences with, between the elementary and the high school teachers, there's always a bit of a transitional period where, say, myself as a special education teacher would speak to, for example, the special education teacher in the high school. Mm-hmm. Does some sort of transition happen between you guys at CICE and, say, the high school teachers or the high school you know, maybe the, the personal support worker who's working with them. Right. For that. Is there a connection that is sometimes made between the high school teachers right. and right. yourselves in terms of understanding the strengths, the needs, the kind of where are they at? Right. Does that right. kind of thing happen? It, you know what? It actually doesn't so much because we are, we treat ourselves like a regular college program. However, Part of our application process is we're asking for those IEPs. We're asking for the psychoed um, reports so that we can take a look. We actually do a um, orientation early. So once our students are accepted, we do an early orientation, usually in May and June, for the students to come and see the college, get to meet some of the staff, learn a little bit about what the expectations are. But it's an orientation for them, but it's also an orientation for us so that we have a chance to kind of take a look and who are these students that will be starting with us in, in, in the fall. Um, and we get a chance to get to know them a little bit better as well. And then I think, you know, because the staff in our program have been, we've been very fortunate that our staff have been with the program for quite a while um, and are very skilled, come with great amount of experience, that the first few weeks, we understand it's a huge transition. We, you know, we're not going to have the students come in and say, okay, good luck, you know, just like in, in uh, college, you know, there you go. We understand that there is going to be a huge transition for everyone, families included. So we're willing to talk with families, with teachers, if there's things that they think will help so that the student will be better successful. So it's not a usual thing in terms of that we have something planned, but I mean, absolutely, we are open so that, you know, we the main goal is for the student to be successful. So of course we would wanna have any information, any support needs um, that we know, um, that we can find out about. So what's your best piece of advice for a parent, for a guardian, for an aunt, for an uncle, for whoever has Mm -hmm. one of these amazing kids in their home Mm -hmm. and they're about to send them off to you and all of a sudden it's not high school anymore. No. The connection is different, right? The way that the parent is going to advocate for their child, which they've done up until this point, what's your biggest piece of advice for them as they sort of release a little bit more, quite a bit more in my imagination, Mm -hmm. What's your biggest piece of advice for them as they go down this road? Yeah, I think is let the student try. Let's let their child try things. They're going to fail. It's okay to fail because that's how you learn. And then afterwards you can have a discussion about it saying, you know, what happened there? That didn't work out. Why didn't you think it didn't work out? What could you do differently? But it's okay to fail. I think, and I, I totally understand as a parent that you, you want to protect your child. You want to make sure everything is smooth sailing for them. And I totally get that. But life isn't like that. And they're going to need to learn about roadblocks. They're going to need to learn about how to overcome barriers. They're going to need to learn about resilience. And we talked about that in this year especially in our winter semester when we had the pandemic and we had to shut down for three weeks. We were very concerned with our CICE students, like how are they going to be learning online? How are they going to be able to adapt to this new normal? Because 
it isn't something anybody prepares for. We already know that the regular community it was struggling. Like, how are, how is it going to be for for our CIC students? And I have to say, they did amazing. They did amazing. I think the main thing is also just knowing that you're there. The support is there. However, it's okay to give try things. It's okay to fail at things. The main thing then afterwards is ask, ask for help. So teaching your child to ask for help. Um, so not only just you as the support person to ask for help, but they also learn to ask for help because I think that becomes really important for them as well. I think too, as kids grow up, it's the transition of the advocating from the parents to the yeah. advocating of the child. So one of the things I work really hard with with clients is getting them to work with their child to, ex mm -hmm. to let them learn how to advocate while they're still kind of there to help Absolutely. and support and build that, that capacity. Absolutely. But yeah, at some point the advocacy has to come from them because only they know what they need. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? It's okay if it's different than what you want. It's hard. I, 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 I struggle with that one myself with my own children. What do you mean? You don't want to do that. I'm just um, thinking, I'm like, really? Are you sure? Because I feel like I just had a conversation today about that. But yeah, but I think it's just uh, keeping that lines of communication open and talking to them and then uh, and watching them try these things. Again, it's okay to fail. I actually do a whole section in my class about failure. It's okay. <laughs> Because I think we have such a stigma against what failure means. And you know what? Failure is a good thing because you can learn so much from them. So it's okay if your child fails. Yeah. What you want them to do is learn from it and what can they do to move on. Well, and the nice thing about the way that it happens with your program is there are people there to say, oh, maybe that didn't go so well. What can we do mm -hmm. next time? How can it's, we, right? There, there are still people there to catch the fall, but then mm -hmm. to do that, to circle back and do that learning piece for them to be able to, to learn from, move forward, and maybe not repeat the same mistake yeah, again. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And you know what? And we've always said Humber's a learning institution. So we right. expect students to, to make mistakes and, you know, they make one mistake. They might make the same mistake again that's okay we're here to learn we're here to guide it's okay rosanna thank yes. you so much this has been an awesome conversation i think um for me it was eye-opening to hear and understand what you do um and the excitement that you have for the program which i think is just thank you why don't you tell us again where families can get that information about the open house on the 22nd of October? Absolutely. So our open house, um, so you can learn all about our program, is on October the 22nd. Um, we will have a Zoom link for it, and you can RSVP to it. It will be on our Humber website. We've just finished the flyer getting it ready. So it will be on our Humber website. Um, if you go to our faculty, which is the Faculty of Health Sciences and Wellness, it will be on there. But I'll also make sure that I pass it on and it can be part of the podcast as well so that you can also see where that is but definitely Humber College if you you know look in for CICE we're probably going to be in there somewhere for sure awesome thanks again Rosanna all right thanks Delphine thank you for listening to today's episode if you are looking for help and support in creating a roadmap to success for your child through challenging times contact me at access I work with all families to help them build power and knowledge in understanding their child's needs and how to build success through advocacy. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Access to Education Toronto. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so together we can create your roadmap.
to success. 